0: We have learned that for seven days, the kohen who was designated and chosen to carry out the procedure of burning the Porah duma and adding its ashes to the water that was gathered from the Shiloach Spring, for seven days prior to carrying out this procedure, he would be by himself and separated from his household, from his wife in order to avoid becoming impure and on every day of those seven days he would be sprinkled with a solution of spring water and ashes of previous para that had been used earlier on in history and ideally each day of those seven days he would use a different para aduma that had been used earlier on in history and automatically even if there was perhaps an issue with one of them certainly at least one of them is valid and it can be certain that the Koyein will be purified. The Mishnah says, however, that Leumotsu Misheva, if they didn't find that wasn't available from seven previous Prora that had been used, then they would do it with six. If they only found the ashes of six of the para Adumas that had been used and stored somewhere in the hamikdash, then they would use those to sprinkle on this Koyein. And although he had to be sprinkled every single day... So on the seventh day, they would reuse one of those ashes that they had used previously, or if there were only five available, then they would use five, four. three. two. or even if there was only one available, they would sprinkle the clone with that, with the ashes mixed with the water every single day of those seven days. The Mishnah asks a historical fact, who made the ashes and the solution? Who carried out the procedure of the paraduma in history? The Mishnah says, The very first paraduma Duma Moshe Rabbeinu made in the desert. Hashem commanded him with the entire mitzvah of Paraduma and they carried out that procedure for the first time. Although it's true that el who was the son of aaron Koyein, carried out the main part of the procedure of the paraduma. The Torah makes a point of showing that this was considered to be Moshe Rabbeinu's parah It was under his supervision, and the Torah considers it to be that it was performed by Moshe. Vasheniyah, the second parah aduma in history, also Ezra, Ezra Sofer made, he carried out the procedure once they returned from Bavel, Babylon, after the first place of Middash was destroyed, and 70 years later, they returned back to Eretz Israel, at which point Ezra Sofer Performed the procedure of a parah adumah, the chameish Ezra ve'elach, and there were five additional parah adumahs in history from the times of Ezra Sefer and onwards. that's the opinion of Rabbi Meir, that altogether in history there have been seven parah adumahs. the say there were seven that were used since Ezra's times and onwards, Umiya Sa'an, and who were the people who... Carried out the procedure and who slaughtered the and made this solution of the spring water with the ashes. Shimon Atzadik veYochanan Kohen Gadol also shteim shteim. Shimon Atzadik and Yochanan Kohen Gadol made two each. They were both Kohen Gadol. Yochanan Kohen Gadol was Kohen Gadol for 30, for eighty years, and they made they carried out two each. El Yehoi Enai ben Hakoyf Hamitsri, Hamitzri v'Yishmal ben Piovi. These three people, interestingly, were also Koranim gedolim, and Osu achas, achas. they each carried out the procedure with one Para aduma, and altogether that is seven, in addition to Moshe Rabbeinu and Ezra HaSefer's Porah Adumah, which gives us a total of nine, and Chazal teach that when Mashiach comes, the 10th Para aduma will be found and used. Now Rabbi Meir agrees that, historically, Shimon HaTzadek, and Kohen Gadol carried out the procedure with two Para Adumahs. However, they understand they were told that the reason why they performed it with two is because the first poradoan became invalidated. And that's why they didn't count this as two each, but it's only really one, because the first of each of theirs was invalidated. Mishnevov, the claim had been for seven days in a chamber in the Beis HaMikdash, avoiding any possibility of becoming impure. However, the procedure of of slaughtering the porat aduma and making its ashes and adding it to the water that all takes place not in the Beis Hamikdosh, but rather on har hazesim the mount of olives which is the mountain opposite the Beis Hamikdosh. it's close by however the kohen would need to get there he would need to travel there and there is a concern that there might be a dead body buried somewhere underneath the ground in between the Beis Hamikdosh and har hazesim and when the kohen walks above that part of the ground he will become tommy and as we have seen, there are many stringencies which the Chachomim instituted to avoid any possibility of becoming impure. We learnt in this regard earlier on that the area of Harabais itself, as well as the courtyards where the children who would gather, who would collect the water to sprinkle on the Kolein who was carrying out the procedure of the paraduma, the these areas, in order to avoid the possibility of becoming Tomei from a dead body buried underneath there... There would be a raised floor with hollow space underneath it of at least a tefach standing on arches, pillars, in order that the floor is considered to be an oihel, a halachic roof on top of this hollow area of a tefachai, at least, and such a oihel blocks the impurity from travelling beyond it higher up which means that somebody who is standing on top of that floor would not become Tomei even if they are directly above a dead body because the Tumah is blocked by the floor. And the Mishnah is going to show that likewise from the Bisham Mikdos towards Har they made a ramp, the Mishnah says. They made a ramp going from Har which is the mountain on which the Bisham Mikdos stood, to Har which is another name for Har And it was constructed in a similar way. Now, obviously, this floor is not able... This ramp is not able to stand in mid-air. So it was made in the form of arches, such that most of the area was on top of a hollow space, but the arches would naturally... it, It had pillars. And where the pillars were, obviously, there wasn't any hollow space. Because it has to stand on something. And therefore, we still haven't removed all of the concern, because if a dead body is buried underneath one of those pillars underneath a part of the arch that is solid and not hollow, and the crane walks on top of that part, then he'll become Tommy. So the minister says in order to solve this problem, there were two floors. And it was Kipin al Gabi arches on top of arches, and the part which was an arch that had a hollow part underneath it, on the upper part of this construction would be corresponding and directly above the solid part on the lower part of this construction. And that way, even if the cone would walk directly above one of the solid parts of this construction, there would certainly be a hollow part in the other floor of this construction. So between these two levels of the ramp, and when the mission says ramp, it essentially means a kind of bridge that's more of an accurate translation, any part of this bridge either on the upper level or the lower level, would have a hollow area of at least a tefer high, and it would block the impurity from travelling to the... above this bridge where the coin would actually be walking. And all of this is being kept right to home because of the concern that there is a grave buried deep underneath the ground. Now, what was this ramp, this bridge used for? That the clan who was designated to be the one to burn the cow, as well as the cow itself, and all those who were assisting in the transportation of the cow to Ara Zesim, they would go out towards Ara and this way they were able to avoid any possibility of becoming impure on the way. The Mishnah continues to discuss the journey from the Beit HaMikdash towards Harazesim. What happens if the cow didn't want to leave? It wasn't willing to walk in the direction of the bridge towards Harazesim. So there are different ways to encourage the animal to walk in the direction that we want it to walk. But the Mishnah warns us and says that Ein and they are not allowed to bring out with it a black cow, that essentially means a cow that is not red, and therefore cannot be used as a paraduma. So sometimes they would want to encourage the animal to go in this direction by bringing another cow in that direction, and then the paraduma would follow. But they cannot use such a cow in order to encourage the paraduma to follow. So that people don't make, mistakenly say, they slaughtered a black cow. They didn't use a fully red cow for the Para Aduma. That having been said, Aduma, they're not able to use a different red cow either in order to encourage the Para Aduma itself to follow, so that people don't mistakenly say that they slaughtered two Para Adumas at the same time. It is learned from Sukim that only one Para Aduma can be slaughtered in one go. And if they bring two red cows in that direction of Harazesim, people might mistakenly come to the wrong conclusion that they slaughtered both animals at the same time for the sake of the Parah Duma Rabbi Yaisi says, This is not the reason that they didn't take out two cows at the same time, meaning they didn't take another cow out in order for the Parah Duma to follow. But rather because the Pasuk says that he should bring it outwards. He should bring the cow in the singular form that the posuk says which implies levada it should be by itself when it is transported towards harazesim and that's the reason it's not only a concern that people might end up coming with, out with the wrong conclusion but it's actually on the level of a requirement to only bring one cow the cow itself the Paraduma, from the base towards Har the mishnah continues the elders this is referring to the members of the Sanhedrin, the big beast in the court who, who sat and judged cases in the Hamikdash. They would proceed by foot towards Harazesim. They would get there earlier on. And they would come out to greet the Kohen who was bringing the Parah towards there. This was in order to show their excitement and love for this rare mitzvah that they were able to that they were able to perform. Now we have mentioned a number of times that mid the Uraisa a yoim A tavulyoim refers to somebody who has become tomei, and they went to the mikveh already, they dip themselves in a collection of natural water in order to purify themselves. And going to the mikveh removes the impurity that the person had for the most part. However, a small level of impurity remains with that person until nightfall. And such a person is called a Tavul Yoim, which means that he went to the mikveh. Tavul means that he dips himself on that day. And although the Torah says that the kohen who carries out the procedure of the Parat Adumah needs to be pure, and a Tavul Yoim has a very small degree of impurity... The Chachomim have a tradition, part of Torah Peh, the oral tradition that we have that is passed down from generation to generation, all the way back from Moshe Rabbeinu, that although the kohen needs to be pure, a Tavul Yoim is able to carry out this procedure. However, the Tzedukim, who was a certain group of heretics that only really accepted Torah Sav, the written Torah and what is implied literally from the P'sukim. They understood that since the Torah says that he needs to be pure, a is not able to perform this procedure. And in order to show that the heretics were wrong, the Chachomim wanted specifically that a Tavul be the one to carry out this procedure. So even though until now they have been extremely meticulous and careful to make sure that the Koyain who is carrying out the procedure does not become Tomei, and especially careful that he won't become Tomei from a dead body... Once he arrived at Harazesim, they would deliberately make him Tomei on a small level. A small level of impurity that can be removed just by going to the Mikvah and waiting until nightfall, although after the mikveh will be called tavul Tavulyoim. And because of all of this, the Mishnah says, there was a Mikvah there on Harazesim. And it was also on top of the construction that was described in the previous Mishnah so that if there was a dead body buried underneath there, he wouldn't become Tomei. And then the Mishnah says, The elders, the members of the Sanhedrin, would deliberately make the Koyain who is burning the Pora Aduma Tomei. Because of the heretics who said that a Tavulyoim cannot carry out this procedure. And the reason why they wanted to do this is so that the general public, people, wouldn't say that a pora aduma can only be carried out by somebody if he was tomei if nightfall has arrived but that a tavul yoin cannot carry out the procedure they wanted to make sure that people would not say like the tzedukim but rather they would understand that a tavul yoin is able to carry out this procedure just like the tradition that we have going back already to Moshe Rabbeinu and that has been passed down throughout the generations now, how exactly did they make the Khoyein Tomei? The answer is that, actually, they just touched him. Now, the members of the Sanhedrin were presumably pure. However, even somebody who is pure in terms of the rest of the laws of the Torah, for the Pora Adumah, anyone is considered to be Tomei. Unless they specifically went to the Mikvah and purified themselves for the sake of being pure for the Pora Aduma. But that without that special intention, they would be considered impure, Midyirah Bon at least, on a rabbinic level, as far as the paraduma is concerned. So just by touching the koyain, who was going to carry out this procedure, the Koyen would become tome, but then he would go to the mikveh, etc., like the next Mishnah describes. Mishnah ches, the members of the Sanhedrin would rest their hands on the koyain, just like we explained, and that would make him impure, at least on a rabbinic midriabonon level, and then the loy, loi, they would say to him, Ishi Kohen Godol, my master, our master, the Kohen Godol, tovoil achas, go to the mikveh and immerse yourself once. Although a Kohen Godol does not need to be the one to perform this procedure, it can be a regular Kohen. It just happens to be that in history, only Kohen and Godolim have been the ones to carry out this procedure, and that's why the Mishnah sp- speaks in that language, because if it was a Kohen Godol, they would need to address him in a very respectable manner with this title, our master. Be it as it may, Yorad Vatoval, he went down into the mikveh and immersed himself fully, the Olah, and he came up out of the mikveh in his tapag and dried himself. Now he was ready to begin the actual procedure, the Eitzimhoi Mesudorim Shom, there were Large pieces of wood organized, arranged there. Which type of wood? Atse arrozim, cedar wood, voronim, uveroishim, these are two other kinds of wood that come from certain trees, atse teinochaloka, and smooth wood that comes from fig trees. The other types of wood are naturally smooth, that's why the mission didn't mention that they needs they, they need to be smooth. And these are the types of wood that should ideally be used because the way that they burn, the ashes that will be produced will be quite fine. And that is preferable, as we will learn later on. The saw oisa in migdal, they would make this arrangement in the shape of a tower. That means that it is narrower and smaller towards the top and larger and wider towards the bottom. Again, this is a way for the fire to burn better and the ashes to be produced in the optimum way, they would open windows on the different sides and directions of this arrangement of the wood. And although its main window and opening from which the claim would light it, would set it on fire, was on the west side, which was the direction towards where the Besamikdosh was, the Besamikdosh was on the west However, these windows allowed for extra fire to be added from all of the directions in order that a proper fire be produced.